Hey, everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with the latest episode of the Jungle Roar podcast, powered by the great folks at FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Here with me today to discuss coaching moves, among other things, around the NFL and Bengal Nation and the jungle is the one and only Jay Morrison of Pro Football Network. How you doing, Jay? I'm great, Trags. How are you? Well, I'm trying to slow the world down from its spinning on the axis after Monday night's big whirlwind news of Brian Callahan. Um, The reports are that he is going to uh, land in Tennessee, in Nashville, and become the next head coach of the Tennessee Titans, replacing, of course, Mike Vrabel down in Nashville. I want to, first of all, just get your general thoughts when you heard the news Monday night. Yeah, it wasn't surprised. I was actually I was talking to someone that's kind of plugged in down in Tennessee, and they had mentioned that Tennessee had had fulfilled their their Rooney Rule uh, requirements, and Brian was the only one they had scheduled for a second interview. And he's like, I think this could happen soon. And then, sure enough, uh, last night it happened. And um, really happy for Brian. Very deserving. Um, I think he'll do a great job down there. It's you know, anytime you go to it, it's always there's very few jobs you step into like, oh, that's a great spot because they're usually teams have fired a head coach for a reason. But, you know, that, that team's got a, a recent winning pedigree. I mean, they were the number one seed when the Bengals upset them in 2021. Um, they've got the third most cap space uh, available. So he's going to be able to go in and make some things happen. Um, the quarterback situation isn't maybe the best, but that's what that's what Brian does. I mean, right. He, he is that's his background uh, i think that's a big reason that made him attractive along with the fact that he's probably going to bring bill callahan his dad along to coach the o-line i just i think it's a great move for both sides and i am really happy for brian he, he's deserving of this uh and when you look back on it do you think it's a good thing that you know he nearly uh, uh missed out on uh, the arizona job of course last off season and i think there was another job and it escapes me right now uh that he was up for uh after the 2022 season I didn't get it but it just it's funny how in the nfl the right situ- situation will eventually present itself yeah indy was the other one that's um, right yes i you know when both he and Lou missed out on Arizona, I kind of had the thought, wow, they dodged a bullet. But I was kind of impressed with what Arizona was able to do this year, not having Kyler Murray early on. Um, I thought Gannon did a really good job there. It's, it just goes to show, like, you you don't know. It, you, it, some of them look like dysfunctional ownership and bad situations, but you get the right guy in there and, and you can make something happen. But I, I do think with his background, you know, his dad being in the AFC uh, right now, and then his background being in the AFC and playing Tennessee every year. And I just, I think this is going to be a really good fit. And I love it that the Bengals go to Nashville this year. Of course you do. I I think the, uh, (laughs) the, the schedule makers are going to not ignore that. Now it could be a, it could be a a week one, one o'clock game, but I think, you know that with with all the attention on travel and and the, sh- the difficulty of the short week, I think they try to, I try to they try to match them geographically as much as possible to lessen the travel on the road team. This this would be a perfect Thursday night game. Yeah, and I know I saw what James Rapine tweeted out at you looking for <laughs> that mini bye week in Nashville. Of course you are, Jay. Uh, I don't know if I could handle a whole week in Nashville. One night, yeah, I don't know. About <laughs> I get down there Wednesday night, not don't come home till Sunday. I 
I, I, I might struggle that following week. Let's draw the curtain back a little bit, Jay, on uh, what we know about Brian Callahan. And I think what's interesting about this job for him is people see him in the booth going nuts sometimes when a play works well, the camera's right there in his face. But Brian Callahan, to me, for who he has coached, that would be Peyton Manning, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, correct me if I'm uh, leaving anybody out, but some of the true greats uh, in NFL quarterback play, certainly in recent uh, memory, there's not an arrogance about him. And I would think not having been in the room when he was doing these interviews, I think that comes across that this is a guy that is very intelligent, very bright, but has the ability to relate to everybody across a vast spectrum of personalities. To me, when you're talking about an NFL head coach in the modern day NFL, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I think, you know, it probably goes back to his upbringing where, you know, Bill probably kind of got that out of him, the the arrogance and the, the prima donna aspect. And then you, th you think about it, he played high school at the, the, one of the best programs in the country and, you know, wasn't really a star there. He goes to UCLA, but he never played. Um, he's just, he's had to kind of grind and work for it. And, um, and he was, he's been, in, he was with Denver, what, six seasons is just a, an assistant, an offensive quality control guy and, and really worked his way up through there, you know, learning with, it wasn't like he was coaching Peyton Manning. It was almost like Peyton Manning was coaching Brian Callahan and right. really kind of start, started him on that track. And then he gets the, the quarterback's job with Detroit and then Oakland and Gruden with Gruden and then and Zach brings him here. So, yeah, I, you, you know, you've talked to him like I have. It's it's there there is no pretense. And and he's a guy that he just loves. He's like Zach. He just loves talking ball. Now you pull him aside, say, hey, can I get you for a minute on something? He's more than willing to do it. And it's never a minute. It's five. No. I mean, he goes on for, and on and on. And he he really does enjoy the conversations. And you you. I mean, yes, quarterback is his background, but he knows football and and he he could talk to you about defense forever. He's just a really, really bright guy that kind of gets the whole essence of, of what football is. And um, you know, not just the X's and O's, but the analytics side of it and in, in all of that. I just I think it's a great hire. I, I really do. I think he's gonna be a good fit down there. Well, the NFL season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers. Get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's pretty good math, right? That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. The best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado. Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 
1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. And the the other thing I want to point out to people uh, who are listening and watching the Jungle War podcast with Jay Morrison of the Pro Football Network is that his personality worked and meshed so well with Zach Taylor. And I think that is something that I don't, I would never say Zach took it for granted, but it's something I think that was a comfort zone for Zach because Zach never worried about the offensive coordinator having his feelings hurt by the head coach doing all the play calling. Again, to me, that's a big deal. And I think, you know, Jay, if if you would just kind of illustrate how those two got along and, and why it's, you know, maybe going to be a challenge for Zach to find somebody along those lines uh, to replace the Brian Callahan. Yeah, I mean, Zach always said it. It was like they share a brain. They just see things the same way, the same philosophy of football. And I'll, I'll never forget um, 2020 Senior Bowl. You know, it was, they're going into their second season. They just had that disastrous 2-14 and 14 campaign in 2019. I went down and covered it, and I wanted to do uh, a day in the life of the coaches at the Senior Bowl. And Brian and, and Zach kind of spearheaded that and um, met me and Paul Daner out for drinks the night before. And, uh, you know, we're just happy to sit with us in a booth and, and kind of just – shoot the bull and, and not be not be on the record and then the next day it was i i skipped the 6 a.m orange theory class with with zach and doug <laughs> but after that i went to everything they let me sit in on their team meetings um and, and i just followed those two around all day of what goes on at the senior bowl and and you could see how well they meshed and one of the stories i did that week was that you know this they've been together for five years but it was almost like it was an instantaneous bond between them. And and they talked about how the night before every game that first year, and I, I believe they still do this, they would pull out a game book from a random game of a, a game, the way they thought their game was going to go that week. And they would sit there and go through and say, okay, it's first and 10 at the 20. What do you call it? And he would call it. And then Brian right. would look at it and say, okay, that game three yards, it's second and seven at 23. What are you going to call now? And it was like a, kind of like a fantasy football for coaches. And they, that that's how they would spend their Saturday night uh, kind of preparing for the game. And they just, it is going to be a big loss because they have been so connected that the friendship runs beyond just the, the working relationship. I think it, it lessens the blow if Dan pitcher slides in there and, and, you know, and even if Dan, if pitch leaves, then it's probably Troy Walters and you still have a little bit of that continuity. But um, I think that's going to be a, a big deal. Just the, the, the fact that they, the, the, talking about sharing the brain and how alike they are and, and pitches to that, that degree too. But anytime you have a bond that tight and then it's, it's severed for whatever reason, good or bad, it, it takes some time to adjust. This is also a good sign for Zach Taylor and, and something that, you know, was a feather in his cap because one of his own, the Zach Taylor coaching tree has officially sprouted, right? Yes. 
Yes. He gets to claim that one of his own is now a head coach somewhere else in the NFL. To me, that's a big deal. And that's something that Zach can take pride in. And he told us in one of the final uh, media availabilities uh, with Zach Taylor uh, this season that he wouldn't be surprised if there's a list of assistant coaches under him that someday that he's, you know, worked with yeah. someday become NFL head coaches. And this is the first one uh, of that group uh, to reach that status. Yeah. I think Lou's got a shot still. Um, I, I absolutely think Dan Pitcher is going to be a head coach in this league yep. at some point. And, and Troy Walters could as well. You know, he's, he's already got coordinator experience in college. Um, he was the, I don't know. Some people may not know. He was the offensive coordinator for that central Florida team that went 13 and zero and, uh, led the nation in scoring that year and they were like 125th when he took over and two years later he's got him in that spot he's a really bright guy so um you know beyond that I don't know some of the the younger guys we'll, we'll see how that plays out but I do I think it, this is going to be the first of of I don't know if I'll say many but there are going to be other guys on that staff they're going to move on and um, if you allow me here, yes. I, I'd like to play a game with I, you because I, yes. uh, while we're talking coaching trees, I don't have these break broken down by who they worked under, but Brian Callahan is the 11th former Bengals assistant coach to get a head coaching job in the NFL. Uh, just and we're going all the way back to Paul Brown days, by the way, are we? Yes, we are. Yes. Okay. And I, I was going to do this on my podcast, but Dallas Robinson is a lot younger. I didn't know, you know, you and I are about the same age. I don't want to say yes. we're old. I'm just going to say we're about the same age. Um, we're both older than the Bengals. Let's put it that way. So how many of the, the previous 10 can you name? So, so are you saying they go on to get head coaching jobs outside of Cincinnati and not promoted yes. for... Okay. Yes, outside of Cincinnati and not necessarily directly like one season to the next, like Brian Callahan is. Uh, some of these guys went, left Cincinnati and then went to Stanford and then it became a head coach in San Francisco. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's one of them. Um, yeah, Bill certainly, uh, Bill Walsh. I'll start with Bill Walsh. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, and are there others under the Paul Brown tree that I, sh that I'm missing? Um, yes, like I said, I didn't break them down. I believe a couple of these guys were with Paul. Um, his, maybe not. Yeah, I, I, so Bill Walsh is the only one I can think of leaving Cincinnati and getting a yeah. head coaching gig somewhere else. Um, there's, there, there, there's some that are go back. Lindy Infante. Yes, that's one. Um, cause he was, uh, he coached under Forrest Gregg, if I'm, remembering correctly he was on yeah. the 81 super bowl champion team um that would be one um okay hugh jackson is obviously one let's get that one out of the way mm -hmm. right so that's three i've got seven to go i'm never going to get all seven <laughs> and that, this isn't making for scintillating podcasting yeah. but uh, indulge us um everybody who is watching and listening I i'll try to get two more um trying to think uh, maybe a cup another one or two under marvin yeah and they both left the same year huh under marvin oh uh, i think i do know um one is obviously mike zimmer yes and would the other one be uh that same year yeah uh, the the, the uh, offensive coordinator 
and it wasn't Hugh. Um, Washington. Oh, but yes, of course. Um, oh my God, why am I drawing a blank? I know it, J, uh, Gruden, Jay Gruden. Yes, yeah. Okay, Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden. Is the other one. Uh, okay, and then fill us in on the last five. Yeah, the only other one to go directly from the Bengals to a head coaching job was Bruce Coslett. Oh, that's a good one with the Jets. Yeah, went to go to the Jets. Uh, Marvin's former defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, who's back interviewing for yes. jobs again. Uh, he was three years in Minnesota. Uh, Gary Moeller, former Michigan coach, was a Bengals tight ends coach. He he got a interim head coaching job. Um, hmm. And uh, same with Chuck Studley was uh, on the Bengals staff, went elsewhere, got an interim head coaching job. And then uh, Hank Bulla, former defensive coordinator, back in the 70s ended up coaching two seasons at buffalo and went four and 17. Ooh. not not a lot of playoff wins among that group so uh, yeah zimmer won, two, zimmer won two playoff games made an afc championship game not a lot of success elsewhere uh so bit of a bit of a, a yeah but when you when you start with Callahan. when you start with uh one of the greatest of all time uh yeah. that's not a bad place to begin in bill walsh that's right hey let's talk it is because bengal fans thought he should have been the coach well yes there are still bengal fans i talk to of our generation jay who are very what if about that and you know if paul had if they if those two personalities had meshed better and you know all the stories that you read and i'm sure you uh, you know you've read them i've read them uh that if they had gotten along better and you know maybe bill hadn't pushed the envelope so much when he was here in cincinnati maybe it would have been a little bit different and maybe it would have been the bengals winning super bowl 16 and winning another five but who knows hey let's move on to dan picture because i think like you said dan picture is a future head coach in the national football league how much would the Bengals and Joe Burrow miss him if he were to leave for an OC job with the Raiders, Saints, or the Patriots? Yeah, I mean, quite a bit. He's 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 like Brian in that it the intelligence just comes screaming out of him when you talk to him, and and it's there's zero coach speak when you talk to him, and it's it's not like they talk down to you like I need to explain this to you. That it's just. I don't know how to put it, but they're it just him and Brian are very slim, similar in that vein where they answer questions thoroughly because they understand every aspect of it. But they, number one, they know what you're looking for. They give you the soundbite, but then they also go deeper into the reasons why and explain things. And, you know, pitcher two, a former quarterback, um, he's been here. He's been here dating back to the Marvin era. He was yeah. one of the few holdovers. Um, which shows you what Zach thought of him to, to keep him around. And then he's been the, the quarterback's coach since 2020. So he's he's been tied to the hip with Joe Burrow this whole time. So just that fact alone, I, I think, again, there's there's a ready-made replacement. If he moves on, it's Brad Cragthorpe's going to move into that spot. Um, but I just I to lose both Brian and Dan in the same offseason would be a big blow. I think the Bengals are going to do everything possible to – to ensure they gave pitcher a big lead, a big raise last year so that he wouldn't leave because he was getting interest um, with other jobs. Uh, he's, we know he's already interviewed new Orleans. The, the thing that I wonder, I, you know, he's still a young guy and I'm sorry, I don't have his age in front of me. I believe he's even younger than Brian who's 39. There's no rush. And you, right. Yes. You know, the, you got to strike while the iron's hot, so to speak, but man, you just look at the, the, the potential of this offense and working with Burrow and, I just, 
you go to New Orleans and and Dennis Allen was thought to maybe be on the hot seat this year. What if things don't go well next year? And then he gets fired and the whole staff is gone. And then the Raiders are dysfunctional and their quarterback situation is not the greatest with Jimmy Garoppolo. And same with the Patriots, who you know well. Yes. Mac Jones is not the answer there. That's another that's another situation where it's that's not- a total rebuild to me at the quarterback yes. position. Yes. Which is great if you make it happen. But you're not guaranteed. And, you know, when you are young, you know, sometimes you take that first big opportunity, it doesn't work out, and that those guys don't ever get another opportunity like that. So I just think it makes more sense to, that there's no rush. And I, I know Bengal fans are certainly hoping that's the case. Um, so I just, I, I think the Bengals are going to do what they need to do, whether it's another raise. I don't know, you know, how this, how it's structured, but I, I think they're going to find a way to keep him in Cincinnati. You know, he's already on these visits. Um, it could come down to where he goes somewhere and they don't, they don't want him to leave the building and they offer him some sort of crazy contract. Right. And he can't turn it down, but I don't know. I just, I think the Bengals will find a way to match whatever any of these other teams are offering. He, he's not going to get to call plays, but like I said, he's young, he's got time and being tied to Joe Burrow and what this offense is capable of. He could have, he could be the hot candidate next off season. Brad Cragthorpe, by the way, is only 31 years of age. Yeah. Very, very young. But uh, going back to Dan Picture, here's a question I have for you, Jay Morrison of Pro Football Network. Do you think he has enough of Zach Taylor's ear to suggest perhaps changing some of the approach of the offense? And what I'm getting at here is, you know, a lot of fans have wondered going into this offseason, are the Bengals going to be able to run the ball more this year? Are they going to be able to look like the final four teams in the conference championships, the 49ers and the Lions, and obviously the Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. Are the Bengals going to, with maybe damn picture calling the signals, look a little bit more dynamic? Because I think with the Bengals this year, I think a lot of fans were felt like it was Joe Burrow or nothing. And that's got to change next year, don't you think? Yeah, it does. And I'm I'm not sure that that and I do think pitch, I think he sees it the same way as Brian. And they, they that was a, a, a group effort between all of them, the, the way they were running the offense. I, I'm not sure that that he needs to have Zach's here. I think Zach saw what happened when Browning came in. And, and, and I think they realize that there are other, there, there are new elements they can bring to this offense. And a lot of it, you know, the under center stuff, the, the play action, a lot of that was, they were planning to do anyhow. And then the calf injury just, blew everything up and they had to just manage and get through until Joe was healthy. And then when he was, you know, San Francisco, we saw them go under center a lot and start leaning into the right game and the play action. So I think we were going to see a lot more of that had he not got hurt in Baltimore a couple weeks later. Um, so, yeah, I, I think as a staff, they're going to assess this, this whole thing and, and, and come up with a way if there was any sort of butting heads or disagreement, I don't, I don't think they would even consider moving him into that spot. And, and the, the fact that they, kept him around last year and paid him more money to do so. Yeah. Suggests that's good. They are all on the same page. And the other thing is when Zach first got here, um, before they hired Sam Francis, Dan Pitcher was his analytics guy. Um, so they, they've worked in conjunction there too, where he's trusted Dan on the, on the headset of, you know, go for it here, call time out here, all the kind of game management stuff. So there it's a strong working relationship between those two. I, and what you just said there, Jay, I think makes me think all the more they're going to do everything in their power to keep damn picture. Uh, and, you know, and I think 
just reading the tea leaves a little bit, I think Dan Picture wants another year or two working with Joe Burrow because, you know, we always look at it as the coach coaching the players and how can the players benefit from the coach? Well, the coach can benefit from coaching a guy like Joe Burrow, like, you know, obviously, and it was a much lower position, but obviously, like you mentioned, uh, Brian Callahan did with Peyton Manning out in Denver, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a great point. And again, I keep going back to you know, what's the rush and I get it. You, you get a chance for a promotion and more money and all of us would jump at it. It's, it's a different animal in the league, but, I do. I just think it makes so much sense for a pitcher to stay here. And um, like I said, he's, he's not going to be calling plays. And that's the big drawback. Those other jobs are going to let him call plays. But again, if they if the Bengals do well this year, get back in the playoffs. Burrow has an amazing year. He's He may just skip the whole OC position or play calling position and go straight to being a head coach candidate next year. Yeah, uh, and I wouldn't rule that out. Certainly Bengal fans – if that's what it took to get the Bengals back to the Super Bowl and have a chance to win it, I think that's a trade-off a lot of Bengal fans uh, would uh, certainly take. Have you taken a look at the running back class coming out of uh, college right now? Have you gone that far down the road? No, I have not, to be honest. I mean, I've watched a lot of college football, so I'm familiar with some of them, but I haven't like broken down film or anything. Blake Corum. He's my dark horse for the Bengals. Blake Corum. Yeah, I mean... I love him and I hate him. I'm an Ohio State. I know. I I I know this, and and I said that for for a reason. I knew I would elicit that type of response. Jay Morrison, lifelong Ohio State Buckeye fan. I knew I would elicit that response. He he reminds me, and I don't want to put him in the same bucket, but he he reminds me of Chase Brown, and that he's not a big guy, but he yeah between the tackles so tough. Right. He was money on the goal line, and yeah, he had a terrific, probably the best O line in the country to run behind, but still. he, he can make plays in space, um, and, and but just for someone that size running between the tackles, just runs like a Joe Mixon, even though he's not built like him. Trey Benson or um, Jonathan Brooks of Texas. I don't know if they're going to be there in the second or third round. The Bengals are – I feel safe in saying, Jay, Bengals are not taking a running back in the first round. Would you agree, given the needs in the interior defensive line and – potentially right tackle on the offensive line yeah there's there's so many other needs um but what if the lions win the super bowl and and they do it after taking a running back in the first round maybe it's a copycat league everybody says it but yeah no i'm just joking there yeah i don't i don't see that happening it's not a team that that where that's a a primary need yes it's a a huge need but there are so many other directions that they they have to jay they absolutely positively have to fix the defensive interior line because not because it was terrible, but because they need bodies there. And obviously with DJ reader being a huge question mark, maybe he signs a one year prove it to me deal uh, coming off the unfortunate injury, the knee injury, quad injury, uh, however you want to call it, quad tendon injury uh, at toward the end of the season, the Bengals are going to need bodies in the middle of that line. Yeah. I mean, they play in the AFC North that you absolutely need it to get through the season. And now look what's happening in the playoffs. And you got Pacheco running so hard, and, and you know, the, the 49ers lean on McCaffrey, and the, what the Packers did with Aaron Jones, and the Lions with their two running backs. I mean, it's yeah, you still got to throw the ball to win, but you have to have a run game when you get into the postseason, and you absolutely have to have a run game to get through the AFC North. So it just goes to figure that 
if you want to beat the teams that have those great run games, you need a strong interior on the defensive line. You obviously have to pass to score points. You have to run the ball to close games out. And that's what I think, you know, we saw with Pacheco in the Bills game. What did you think of that game? So many people have thoughts on that game and how it ended, you know, on the wide right again in Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, but it was a fantastic game in studies of cultures and studies of schemes uh, and two of the obviously two of the best quarterbacks uh, in the AFC. What did you think of that game? I loved it. It was it was a it was a fun game. I hated how it ended. I wish it would have you know been a quarterback making a play to win the game as opposed to a kicker missing a kick. Um, just hate that for Tyler Bass. Uh, yeah. I, it was just weird. It was the, the way it started and they're just back and forth and converting third downs. It just never felt like either team was going to stop the other team. And then you get to the fourth quarter and these two great quarterbacks and then neither it, it turned into a defensive game. Um, and so I just, I was impressed. I didn't, I, I gave the chiefs a chance, but I really thought it was Buffalo's year. I thought Buffalo was going to win that game. Um, I just, I really enjoyed watching it. I, I enjoyed all the games this weekend, um, you know, you didn't get that that nail-biting final play overtime kind of game, but every game was just there, – there was so much nuance to them and st- difference in styles. And um, thank you to my wife for letting me sit on the couch and watching four games all Nikki's weekend. Nikki's great. I, was, I, yeah, I can yes, attest absolutely. to that. Yes. She actually, she wanted to watch Chiefs uh, and Bill. She watched that one with me. Um, so – yeah, but that that was that was the perfect topper on the weekend. It was I knew it was going to be a good game. It was. I hate it for the Buffalo fans, um, but you know, it, they're just you just the Chiefs and the Steelers are just teams that they're gonna find a way to be there at the end of games. And, Correct. And you just you can't kill them. I don't know. I just I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to pick pick the Chiefs to beat Baltimore. I think Baltimore is going to win that game, but I I think it's going to be close and it's going to be another just terrific game to watch. From the start of the playoffs, Jay, I have said Ravens, Lions, and the Super Bowl. It's just been my wow. feel, and I'm going to stick with that. Obviously, uh, I think the Ravens are going to be too good. And in the second half of that game uh, against Houston, Jay, that was the most dominant performance we've seen by any team in the postseason so far. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, even the first half, even though it was tied 10-10, it was a punt return. They got them there. I mean, they didn't give up a touchdown the entire game. That that defense was something else, and that's why I think they can they can. You put Kyle Hamilton uh, on Kelsey, and then you you've got Roquan and Patrick Queen at linebackers that can kind of limit what Pacheco can do. I I do. I I, I just I like Baltimore in this game. I'm on, I think San Francisco is going to win. You take Detroit out of the dome. It's the plucky underdog team. First time there. Um, I, I, I think it's going to, I think, I think Detroit will cover the number. I think it's gonna be a closer game than seven, but I think San Francisco wins. That game. Remember. Okay. I counter that with the lions have won in green Bay, uh, with Dan Campbell in a pressure game, um, and in pressure situations, I, I think the lions are ready to get it done, but they're going to have to have play a near perfect game. Um, and the Niners did not play great on Saturday night and still found a way to win that game. They're probably not going to play another game like that. That's another way to look at it um, to make your point. But um, yeah, I I like the Ravens to win it all. Um, Your pick is. Well, let's, let's get to San Francisco Baltimore and then see if Debo's healthy. If Debo's healthy for the Super Bowl, I I like San Francisco, but I don't know. And, And if Debo's not healthy, then you're right. The Lions could sneak in and upset him. But I'm I'm going Baltimore, San Francisco with San Francisco winning the title. 
There he is, Jay Morrison. Jay, uh, how can people follow your work, your fa fantastic work, I might add? Yeah, uh, down here with my uh, Twitter handle, at by Jay Morrison, or you can go to profootballnetwork.com. Um, everything is free there. And then our podcast uh, records on Tuesdays, the PFN Bengals podcast with Dallas Robinson. Uh, that posts every Tuesday as well uh, through the offseason. So lots of different ways to find it. He is Jay Morrison. Follow him on X at by Jay Morrison. And my name is Mike Petralia Trags. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Jungle World podcast. As always, we are powered by the great folks at FanDuel Sportsbook the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Media Network. Until next week, keep that jungle roaring.